friends, to part two of Instrumental Personalities. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and if this happens to be your first episode of Keep Classical Weird, I'd highly suggest listening to the episode directly before this, which is part one of the same collection of interviews. We've got the same 14 instrumentalists from last week, and we're going to keep winding our way through the orchestra, starting today with the tuba. Down to earth. Beer. (laughs) They know where the best beer is. Tuba wear is going to be a good hang. But also, they'd be like a really good person to have have a beer with. Subtly sinister. You never hear from them, and then all of a sudden, they'll like I don't know, crack the best joke. They probably also like brew their own beer. They're fun, and they're like our buddies. When you're a sixth grader and you're choosing the tuba, like why? What's your thinking there? When I think of tuba, I think that's a good gig. Other than the fact that you got to drag that tuba around, that's the gig you want in an orchestra. You never play and you get principal pay. Hello, my name is Jatik Clark and I play the tuba. What okay. do you think other people think of when they picture tuba players? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, um, I think we sometimes are re- relegated to more of the, you know, the joke section of the instrumentalist uh, groupings. Unfortunately, I think uh, probably... I'll start with this. I'll say that I think the one thing that everybody thinks of is the massive amounts of wind and air that we have to move. So, I mean, that doesn't have a negative or positive connotation. I think they just all know it's a lot of air and often they'll puff the cheeks, which we shouldn't do to make a great sound. But people automatically think of that. Uh, Our music tends to be less complicated in terms of what we're... Well, it's funny. I would say when it comes to auditions, we've got the hardest... Uh, road to hope, as it were, uh, because there's so many of us that play at such a high, that play at such a high level, and there's only one position per orchestra. I, I would say this: it's probably one of the hardest jobs to get, but in some ways, maybe one of the easiest jobs to maintain, because of what you're generally asked to to perform. Uh, the parts aren't always very uh, challenging. So, uh, but again, to get to get to those positions, extremely, extremely challenging. The next instrumentalist is a very unique orchestral position, mainly because they somehow have to know several instruments and be a specialist in all of them. Percussion. That's a hard one, because they're all so different. Every percussionist I met is so different. Well, I think Hoarder. Likes to haul a lot of equipment. And they're strategic planners. I have no idea how they do it. And I was thinking to myself, like, it's like synchronized swimming back there. Pretty normal, but there's like a dose of that kind of neurotic oboe player. Like, you have to lock yourself in a room with 20 million instruments and learn them and, and just like be really into really complex stuff and just drilling it and, and stuff that like most people would be like, I don't, I think that would drive me crazy to, to practice that all day long. Rhythmic. In life and in playing? Yeah. If you want a raucous party, you follow the percussionists. They're going to have the best party. My name is Gordon Wrencher, and I play percussion. When you think about what people picture, when they picture a percussionist... (laughs) Oh, good, you're already giggling. Okay. I'm already (laughs) giggling because I imagine they picture... Knuckle dragging Neanderthals <laughs> that like to hit things and make a lot of noise. Do you think you match that description at all? 
absolutely not. But I think a lot of a lot of drummers and percussionists that I knew in in the middle school and the high school era did. But I think they get weeded out by the time they're twenty. And I think those of us that remain after college are usually pretty quiet and reserved and don't like the limelight at all. On rare occasions when an orchestra setup has caused me to be close to the conductor, I get a little twitchy. (laughs) If if I'm like within 10 or 15 feet of the front, it just feels like I'm in a foreign country. Being a violinist myself, I was very curious about what people had to say about my instrument. I do sort of think violinists and flutists are sort of the biggest divas. And then you also have like 47,000 concertos. Often the most ridiculous stuff to have to, to have to play and perform. And, I, and they have my highest, they have my respect in that, in that regard. They can do some amazing stuff. Lots of notes. <laughs> I think they work really hard. I think they can be catty. High strung. Kind of like high strung and no pun intended. A little bit intended though, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're really good at pretending they're all friends, but actually they're not. It's a collective. It's a hot, it's like a swarm of bees. And I'm not necessarily afraid of them, but I don't want to get too close. And they're, you know, they're very close. They're swarming all over each other. And and I'm just going to look at them from about 10 feet away and (laughs) try not to make them angry. (laughs) I'm Alicia Atkinson and I play the violin. Violinists in particular, I think sort of a combination between Boo Radley from uh, To Kill Mockingbird and like a Victorian ghost. Um, And I think that it's actually like for a really good reason because I mean, we never see the light of day. We spent most of our lives locked in a practice room. We don't know what's going on with the world. Like, this is very, I actually think that is fairly accurate. And I think that I can justify that with the fact that I have heard from multiple people who are trying to compliment me that say that I don't look anything like a violinist. I think there is something to be said for all the instruments that are, like, forced into, you know, practicing their life away. Um, And... For instance, for those of you who don't know what a practice room looks like at a music school, it's essentially a very small dungeon. How do you feel when you see a ref that is more than eight bars? Um, I plan out how many sips of water I can take. (laughs) For me, I feel like it's the best feeling for like eight bars. And then I start to wonder, you know, what I'm doing with my life and like where we are and what happened to my counting because it was like doing great, but then suddenly, you know, I ran out of fingers. And so I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on, but I feel like for a tuba player, like life is so different. On to violas. Now this was fascinating. The library of viola jokes is fairly extensive, but so many other instrumentalists were quick to point out how much the viola is just like them. Viola, I love that instrument. I think it's the most like the clarinet, so I particularly like it. Oh, I love the viola. So viola is obviously the French horn players of the string. Pretty like the trombone, I think. Violas, I think, are the, the instrument that's, that's probably most like percussion. Self-deprecating and 
possibly a little bit apologetic. I love me a viola. I feel like violas are like that dog that really loves, their main hobby is just napping on the couch. And every time you try to get it interested in a walk, it just like puts one paw out into the rain and then goes, oh, that feels like third position. That doesn't feel right. Let's go back to the couch. A lot of jokes. They're very important. I don't care what people say. My name is Lindsay Bowl, and I play the viola. I think nobody knows what that is most of the time, unless they are an instrument, an uh, instrumentalist, a, a musician. So usually when I encounter people, their opinion is either I play the violin or it's not even a string instrument. It's like, they just don't even have an idea. Oh, is that the one with the tube that wraps around and the bell at the end? Like, I like nobody knows what that is. Yeah, I had a really great time at the airport one time where a security officer was like super careful with my instrument and then he was like here's your violin and normally I don't say it. I just like yep there's my violin and I go away because it's not worth it but for some reason I felt like being honest that day and I was like oh actually it's a viola and he was like oh no 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 I think this is I I, I know because because it's big and the violin's bigger than the viola and I was like mm, actually it's the other way around and he's like oh no no I know this one and I was just like all right see ya <laughs> So he was letting you know the viola with the yep. viola in her hand. Yeah. He was letting you know that he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Which maybe is fair. Maybe he knows more about viola. Like he knows a lot about violas. We're not known for being like the smartest. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you got viola splained too. Really? I got viola splained. <laughs> <laughs> Cellists were not looked at the same way. Most instrumentalists figured they had pretty high self-esteem, and with good reason. I've always had crushes on cellists. They're like the dream boat heartthrob of the orchestra to me. Cellists are just sexy. It's a beautiful instrument. I love the cello. Like, maybe it's in third place for a sexy instrument. I love cello players. Cello players are attractive. If I could choose again, definitely, I would play the cello. Probably if I were going to play a string instrument, for me, probably the cello. My name is Katherine Schultz, and I play the cello. I think other people really love the cello. It's it's used in advertising all the time, ubiquitously, particularly with women playing it. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and told me that they wish they played the cello. And non-musicians, but also musicians. I have had tons of violinists tell me if they could do it all over, they would play the cello. So naturally, I have to assume that it's just the best instrument and everyone else thinks so too. I was going to ask you if you felt like you fit that archetype, but within the span of your question, you managed to answer that already. <laughs> well, if we're talking about the sexy woman advertising, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> like you'll see an ad with, and not overtly sexy, but like a beautiful woman with long hair and some long flowy thing and usually horrible posture and a bow hold that looks like a claw sitting there with a cello advertising you know like ge white light bulbs or um some kind of muted paint color or, or espresso or I don't know, all kinds of things i also noticed that when you did that you looked off into the distance and i recognized that immediately like that's actually you're absolutely right rounding out the bowed string instruments are the double basses Bassists are just cool. They're really chill. 
mostly like very gentle, kind people. I feel like the bases are just happy to be there. They're very cool and chill. They're like the people you want to go hang out with. In general, I think um, the clowns of the string section in an orchestra, they tend to be goofy and they tend to be on the way to their jazz gig. Basses are like super fun and like to party. And if you want to go to a party, I would recommend going to a bass party. Anyone's guess, really. Who knows? Who knows what's going on over there? Generally, like the bass players I know are all really chill and really nice. I mean, they could have been cello players. Right? They could have gone that route, but they wanted things to be a little bit harder for themselves. My name is Jason Schooler, and I play the double bass. So when people think of bassists, what do you think they think of? I think they think of very easygoing, very calm, low-key type of people. Do you think you fall into that category yourself? I very much fit into that category. And I don't know, I think some people might think of like, when they think bass players, they think of jazz bass players. So they're thinking like, I don't know, berets and cigarettes or fedoras and cigarettes. I don't know, cool, jazzy, uh, hip. I'm not so hip myself, but I'm definitely easygoing. Do you think you're you're not so hip? Are you jazzy? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, the harp. This particular image sparked some of the most specificity out of the interviewees. Harpists perhaps think of themselves on another plane from the rest of us and have a unique sense of fashion. I guess I usually think of of a woman in a flowing dress (laughs) with like long bell sleeves. Have a dress that they made and it's going to have cats on it and there's going to be a one special cat that's embroidered onto the front of the dress. They're quirky and nice. I've never I've never met a harp player I didn't like. Fun and interesting and like a lot more complicated than it looks because of all those pedals. They have to come really early to rehearsal. Harp I think is my favorite. Harp players have this air of just being always very calm even though their music is like super complicated and they're like whipping around those pedals. High class. I feel like harpists are sort of fancy cellists. They're sort of above reality just a little bit. But they're also like, like they're so incredibly sweet, almost across the board, I would say. But like, if you go to their house, probably have several sets of dishes that nobody else is quite good enough for. My name's Matthew Tutsky, and I play the harp. What do you think other people think of when they picture a harpist? Ethereal, angelic. Just very uh, elegant, I guess. I love that. Do you do you feel like you fit that stereotype? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think I'm very mystical person. Like I'm the older I get, the more new agey I get. So I kind of fit the bill of like fairy boy harvest. <laughs> 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 so that's a different kind of ethereal, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> specifically a mystical so it's like you're like an offshoot i'm a tangent from that yes less religious more fairies in a fairy tale that's (laughs) that's me but still under the general umbrella of heart sounds like yes yeah in the harp family umbrella yeah if you'll indulge me and a little coda to this episode i'd like to take a second and share a quick story 
The tuba player in this episode who we met, Jatik, talked with me for a while before I even pressed the record button. This clip is a good encapsulation of what he wanted to run down with me before we begin the interview. We're all unique in our own ways, and, and it's important to, to remember that and to champion that and such. But at the same time, I feel often with preconceived notions, we don't allow individuals, uh, well, we don't allow those individuals to be able to express themselves, stand on their own merit, and evaluate them based on what they bring to the table, what they show you. You know, if you're, if you're going into any situation with an automatic sort of, I mean, we all do it as humans, you know, no one is perfect, but I think maybe we'd have a few less problems, especially now, if uh, people would just try to come in with a blank slate and just say, you know, I'm not going to read it, this or that, you know, the person's name, what they may look like, what they may play, uh, where they may live, uh, their age, you know, these types of things. And, you know, without being too serious about it, let me take at least a minute or just a moment to get to know that person for who they are. Obviously, there are judgments made and things are assumed every day and all the time. But let me take a tiny moment to pat our collective industry on the back. Every single one of these instrumentalists that you heard, intertwined with all their silly stereotypes they shared, talked about stories of love, friendship pride in their colleagues, and had such warm and amazing things to say, far too many to fit in any episode. And at risk of putting too fine a point on it here, maybe we can view all our fellow humans in the same light. Now, we can't undo biases overnight, but we can constantly remind ourselves that we're all playing in the same global orchestra. And that's our show for today. My deepest gratitude to all our instrumentalists whose contributions over these last two episodes were phenomenal. Liberty Brole, Ryan Zwallen, Lou DiMartino, Nicole Buetti, Leander Starr, Catherine Evans, Michael Mayer, Jesse Clark, Gordon Wrencher, Lucia Atkinson, Lindsay Boll, Catherine Schultz, Jason Schooler, and Matthew Tetsky. And with that, let's cue the theme music. That is composed by Thomas Barber. Check him out at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. This is the final episode of our second set. But fear not, next Friday you'll have a trailer for all the exciting stuff to look forward to in set three. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird.